Welcome to the Me, My Thoughts, and Eyes podcast, a podcast that's a collection of random thoughts from the scatterbrain. I am your host, Jinx, and listener discretion may be advised. folks, you know what I'm saying? No. Close-minded folks, you know what I'm saying? It's like we got a demo tape and nobody want to hear it, but it's like this the South got something to say. That's all I got to say. Dang, all this dag on ice out here. Got me feeling like Trick Daddy. Yes, sir. So this past weekend, I went to one of my favorite places for one of my favorite events of all time. I was up in Harlem. Shout out to my boy Jewels and them. Um, at the Schomburg Center for the Black Comic Book Festival. And that is the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture. Very, very dope place. It's a part of the uh, New York Public Library. Um, and the the festival sounds just like what it is. It's a black-ass time. You have um, all of these dope, dope creators of, of black comic books, like a... Regine Sawyer, um, she does a lot of sci-fi horror, so it's like you go there, support your own people, support indie comics, uh, anybody that likes to make claims that there is no representation within comic books, that might be true for the main or the big two, but you know, you come there and you and you see what it is, you see we really out here, people uh, doing a whole lot of dope work, um, I mean, I just thoroughly enjoyed myself for real, for real, for real. Um, this is my second year going. This is the seventh year, though. It's just a great experience because it's also it's so um, intimate because the Sean, the center is not like huge. And I think they did a lot better with the flow uh, this year, the crowd flow than they did last year. And it's a free event. Also put that out there. So there's a lot of folks that get come out there of all ages they have stuff for the kids too. Um, they have some dope panels. So I got to catch one of my favorite people, Janicia of TWQ and J. She um, was on a panel with, I forget the other people, uh, one woman whose name I can't remember, but she's a member of Black Tribbles. And then there was a guy who I think was on The Punisher or. Um, what's the other one? Daredevil, maybe both. And then there was another guy who I'm not sure who he was, but they were talking about black villains and just kind of, I mean, it was a dope panel about the need for black villains or looking at them under a different light. Like maybe they're not as villainous. It was a really dope conversation. I think all the panels were recorded. So you could probably go to like the Sean Burke Center or Google it and find, um, the stream. Cause I know they were live streaming them. Matter of fact, if I look up and find it, I'll put it in the show notes. But that was a dope panel. Uh, it's a two-day event, Friday and Saturday. I only went up for Saturday but this year. But there was um, the cosplay showcase that was always entertaining. Um, there was a dope women, uh, women comic writers panel that ended the day. That was a really good one as well. 
Um, there was also a good panel about archiving and comics and kind of uh, creating comics to tell our history and stuff. That was really cool. Um, Dr. Hall, she's Dr. Dr. Rebecca Hall uh, has a JD and a PhD boss. But anyway, she is getting um, some of her work as she's doing some archival work, actually. Uh, anime and turn into a, 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 a comic book um and i got a couple of stills from that from her and and that's cool and and it was it's just dope to hear about that experience of finding uh, how you go through because as i'm getting more into that realm of starting to dig into archives myself it's just interesting to hear about that those experiences especially as i'm learning like the black archival or archivist experiences is I mean not surprising, but it's it, you're subject to a lot of racism. And she was talking about how she was trying to uh, do some slave trader research in somewhere, maybe Liverpool or wherever, and they really don't want you doing that because they don't want it to be out there and publicized that they built their wealth off of you know slave trading as so many people have, but. She got followed around and even in the bathroom. And I think she said they took her passport and kicked her out. Like it was, it was crazy stuff. Um, then there was also on that panel with her, um, my man's name, I forget, but he's over the black Gotham project, which I've heard of, but I didn't really know exactly what they were about, but they do like walking black history tours in New York and, I think trying to do it in other places as well, or maybe they are already are. And he also has like a, a comic or a artistic aspect of it as well. So, so that was dope. Other great thing is not only do I get to support my people and, and cop some, uh, some work that I'm truly am a fan of too, in general, like, um, I, I mentioned Miss Sawyer, but like Tuskegee airs, I, I enjoy that comic a lot. So Got to pick up the third issue and get it signed. That's also dope. Um, oh, the Gibbs sisters, they were great. Had a nice little conversation with them. They're dope. Uh, they have the, well, the only one thing I've read so far is the invention of E.J. Whitaker. So I support them. Got an issue signed. So, yeah, it's a, oh, yeah, got to meet uh, Dr. Sheena Howard for, um, the first time I haven't actually like spoken to her in person before, but she's definitely been another person that's been like a, a inspiration because she did my program that I'm in now, and she writes on obviously comic books, and she writes her own com or she writes for a comic book now. So definitely a, a big motivator into me following the path that I'm on now. So it was dope to actually say what's up in person and thank her in person. Um, Mission Jay, I've met Jay before, but also Queen was there as well uh, from T with Queen Jay. So it was good to, to meet her for the first time. And, you know, just like the show, I like to show love to people that, that I rock with. So, and, and that's all the event was, just so much love, so much fun. And I, you know, can't wait till next year. Every MLK Day weekend, um, Sean Bergson in Harlem, free event plan for it take a trip up there it ain't no thing i ain't too far these days so i just hop the train and go out there i'm gonna be there next year lord willing i'm gonna be there
I just finished watching those fire festival docs. Yo, that joint wild, ain't it? Like I knew it was crazy watching the fallout of it, but man, they get the details from those docs is goodness. And it's two if you haven't watched it. There's one on Netflix, one on Hulu. Uh, the one on Netflix was done by Vice and uh, F. Jerry Media, who were the ones who were doing the uh, publicity or the social media um, for Fire Festival. And then the other one is on Hulu, but I don't remember who did that one. But they sort of look at, I won't say different, take different angles on it, but they, like, they, some, they cover different aspects here and there. Like there's some things that one glosses over that the other one goes in a little more detail on. Um, but that, they're definitely worth a watch. Definitely. I would say, as people told me, start with the Netflix one. Cause that one, I think is a little bit more like out the gate, just like, yo, this is wild. Where, um, I don't know for me, the Hulu one, it felt like it, it, it took like, Maybe about halfway for me to get to where I was like really in it. But those joints. Woo. And I feel bad. I feel bad for especially the, the workers in the Bahamas that didn't get paid. I feel real bad too for the employees. Mainly the ones who had nothing to do with the festival who got screwed over because they were working on this app. And now um, all this work they did for like a year or so, something like that. It's all in the drain, as well as this man. I don't. I think they said even at some point they wasn't quite getting paid right either. Um, and when everything went down, he didn't want to lay them off so they can get unemployment. So that just messed them up even more. So I feel terrible for them. I feel kind of bad too for some of the ones who might have been on the island too and were just following orders, I guess. Even though that... I don't know, that's a different topic, but, but yeah, mainly for the, the other employees and the workers. And, and actually, I do feel empathy for the attendees. I know it's hard to feel bad for rich, right, rich, right, rich, rich <laughs> white kids. But at the same time, I can relate to being screwed out of your money. And that was a lot of money. Now, I can't relate to being screwed out of that much money. I think on the lower end, they was paying like four grand for those tickets. But people were spending upwards of like a quarter mil for the whole trip. Um, I ain't got all that. So I don't feel the worst if you have that kind of money to spend. But all principle, it's like, yo, that, it ain't a good feeling to get screwed out of your funds. And the wildest thing to me about it was that there was no real reason for my man, uh, Billy McFarlane, the dude who was over it, to be committing fraud for it. Like, you could have pulled this off successfully and been in the money. Like, you you could have made this dope festival. I mean, you had the idea. Obviously, the promo video and rollout clearly worked. There was a clear audience for it who had the money to drop on it. Like you could have, like if you just decided to actually do what you're supposed to do, um, one, not take what I think they said, I think it was four months. He tried to pull everything off of, throw this 
festival on a uninhabited island. And so you have to build all this infrastructure and and people are saying, no, you need like a year and a half to do that. Like if you just, you know, took that extra year at least. So to 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 get all this put together and actually bring on people who knew what they were doing, or we did have some people who knew better, but he got rid of them <laughs> because they weren't going along with what he wanted. Um, but if you actually did all that, then you could have pulled this off and you could have also uh, lowered your expectations a little bit and and made more um, realizable goals too. Because that was a big issue there too. But you clearly had the audience. There was um, artists that were signed up too. So you had you had everything there. You just needed to take your time with it. But I guess he decided that nah, I'm I don't need that. Homie felt like I'm not going to walk first. I'm just going to go jump straight to flying. And and he did jump right off a cliff and crash landed and burned. And like, <laughs> I guess he felt like with him and his little ragtag team uh, who had no experience in doing this, they were going to be able to off gate, uh, straight out the gate, just compete with a Coachella or something like that. And it's like, bro, this ain't the Mighty Ducks. This is not some feel good 90s family movie where where the underdogs are going to beat the 10-time champions on their best day off of sheer pluckiness. Like, nah, bro, that's not how this works. And his biggest thing was he just had to keep, he couldn't back down. Like, he just had to keep lying to folks and, and overselling. And so you make these lofty goals that you realize you can't meet and you need more fun. So, oh, Instead of dialing everything back while I still have a chance, I'm just going to go ahead and make even more loftier goals to get people to spend more money. Then I'm going to spend that money to kind of live up to the first goals. But then how are you going to pay the next goals? That's not <laughs> that's not sustainable, sir. Like, how, do, how does this work? How does this work in any world? So if homie was just a little more realistic with himself and, and had a little more patience and also didn't fraud a bunch of people, he could have been well on his way. <laughs> to having the next big thing and and legit having money. I mean, he still, however, has money that they're showing. But he could have he could have been well on the way. And so now I'm wondering, somebody's watching this and seeing like, oh, this actually worked or could have worked if homie, you know, did the right steps and took his time. Somebody else is probably going to capitalize on this idea. I wouldn't be surprised to see it envelop at some point. It'll probably have to start out smaller. Um. Which, yeah, he could also did that, too, instead of trying to get into so many people, but make it even more exclusive to maybe a smaller, less acts, a few hundred people. I don't know. There's, there's other things he could have did. But somebody somebody else that has the money and access is probably going to, within the next couple of years, try to do this themselves. And might put it all successfully and they go your bread on somebody else's table. I saw someone on Twitter talk about how they related this to Universal FanCon, aka Universal ScanCon, and and how they need to do a doc on that. And low key, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing that because that's the same thing. A lot of people lost their money, got screwed out of their money. Um, a lot, a lot less money, but also we're talking a not nowhere near as affluent population. Uh, so just I don't know if I've spoken about this 
on here before or not, but last, I think it was like April, it was whichever week in Broccoli City Fest goes on, it was the same weekend. Universal Fan Con is of the same uh, as Blurred Con, which I talk about. So it's a con, a nerd convention, geek convention aimed towards minorities, specifically black people, but it's, it's really aimed just like Blurred Con to be all inclusive to you know, as a safe space for people of all races and and LGBT, LGBTQIA uh, community and body positivity and all these good things. So, FanCon was supposed to be that, um, and but a little bigger than BlurredCon, I would say, at least from what I could tell. And they, I mean, they have. People like Gabrielle Union tweeting about it, but they obviously it didn't go down right. So, um, I think from the Kickstarter, they raised like 60k. I'm a little fuzzy on all the details, I don't remember exactly. Plus, everything might not be out there, but I think they raised 60k, which people were saying when you're doing a convention that was more than enough. I feel like Blur kind of with their Kickstarter only had maybe half that. I could be wrong. I don't remember what that that one was when it finished. But 60K and they were like you could have threw a bomb first convention in a hotel with plenty of space. But what they did was much like with the Fire Festival, they they started shooting for the moons. On Jupiter, not even our moon, Jupiter moons. Like they started just throwing it way out there. Um, and they tried, or they booked the convention center in Baltimore as opposed to a hotel. And people like, apparently, once again, I don't know how to throw these events on, but just listening to uh, other people when the fallout was happening, it was like, you don't do that with your first convention. Like it takes a whole lot of work that goes into convention centers, much more finally, uh, financially straining and all that but they kept doing it and basically it the week i think it was either the week of or no more than a week before the convention was supposed to happen they canceled and they didn't even straight up start telling people they canceled uh folk, it started getting out because folks who had booked had like reserved rooms with the convention center they their, their reservations were getting canceled um so a lot of people lost money on that because nobody got their money back i didn't i didn't actually donate to the kickstarter or buy a ticket i was having to be up here uh that weekend for something else anyway i was already in, going to be in dc so i was like well i'm gonna just swing up there maybe a day or two and check it out so i buy my ticket when i get there so i didn't lose out on anything but unfortunately, a lot of people did. A lot of people lost out on relatively a lot of money, too, especially when you're talking about the vendors who paid all this money to get uh, products produced and shipped and stored and buying rooms and travel. Like, for instance, um, forget the woman's name, but she's the founder of Black Girl Gamers. And I know she lives in London and she was over here. So she had already had a flight booked and all that so you got people who spend all this money gave you all this money to 
create something that the community wanted, the community needed, and you let them down. You had no no excuses. Um, Jamie Broadnax, a black girl nerd, she got the most heat for it, but I think that's just because she was basically the face. She's the more known person. The other folks who were really behind it, I think there were two guys, they, they sort of got off the hook a little bit more because they were less in the public's eye. But one of them came out and just adding insult to injury and and blamed the community. He was like, oh, well, we could have through this amazing thing, but this non-existent community, uh, you know, didn't come and support. And it's like, bro, they did support. They gave you 60K off rip. You had a year and a half. They actually had like, I think a year or some change to plan it. Uh, plus on top of that, I think maybe like another thousand people or so bought tickets. It, it was, it was like, it was looking good. Like you just, I don't know if they intentionally tried to fraud people and take the bag and run. I don't know. I don't think so. I think, cause even with like the fire festival, although this guy is a scam, a con artist and has clearly a history of doing this and being a compulsive liar and in one regards i kind of feel like he was actually trying to put this on but he just decided to like one out of you know his inexperience and not really want to listen to anybody he and all the holes he dug for himself he just tried to scam his way out and maybe that's what happened with fan con i don't know i definitely like to See if some investigative reporters can get on that and figure out exactly what happened to everybody's money. Uh, are these folks out here living good? I mean, once again, Jamie being with Black Girl Nerds, she's still out there. She was at the Critics' Choice Award, Award so she's still very visible. She fell back for maybe like a month, but she she's out there making moves because she got connections and she's running press um, in, in, in some very exclusive spaces. But... That doesn't mean she took the money. So I'm not uh, accusing her of that. Or I don't know these other folks too. I have to get their names. But anyway. So moral of the story. Life is not a PG-13 movie. Uh, you don't get to get away with everything. Just because you have spunk or something. Charisma. Sometimes you actually need to put in some legitimate work. To be successful. Well, I guess maybe that's just a lesson for uh, affluent white people. The rest of us, I think we already knew that. Thank you for listening to the Me, My Thoughts and Nice podcast. You can find me wherever you like to listen. Anchor, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, etc. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at Dots and Eyes. That's I spelled E-Y-E-S. Check out my blog on WordPress, memythoughtsandeyes.wordpress.com. Feel free to send me an email at memythoughtsandeyes at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. And feel free to hit me up with any feedback or criticisms you may have. Once again, thank you and be blessed.